0: Hey guys, this is Staying Alive, and I'm Louis J. And thanks for tuning into the podcast. And uh, before we get started today, I wanted to uh, make a, a special thanks to everybody that's tuned in, and for all of your feedback and your encouragement, your support, and your kind words. It's been really cool so far. And of course, we just really got started, and so I'm, I'm grateful for everybody's input, and they're driving us to do some cool things. And of course, if you haven't tuned into the podcast yet, and this is your first one by chance, then thanks for being here and just to kind of give you an understanding of what it is we're doing it really is these unlikely conversations or more importantly these engaging conversations around creativity leadership entrepreneurship and those random life experiences that just help shape us and that's really you know uh, the likes of covid you know the likes of you know uh, relationships um, you know things that that end up happening to you along the way that maybe you didn't expect and you know have to make some shifts and some, some movements from, and, you know, we wanted to come and talk about all of those things because I think that there's a chance for us to share some knowledge, uh, take some journeys together and see where we end up. So I'm thrilled to have you all. Thank you for joining me. And uh, today, Frank and I are talking. We're talking. Yeah. Speaking of shifts, uh, you were up at the cottage last week, but this week, how was your week this week? Yeah. So, I mean, um, I, I really do treasure the time we have at the cottage because it is a chance for me to refuel and disconnect and Actually, I think more importantly, it's a chance for me to connect. And uh, I was found, you know, out in the woods there with uh, limited access to technology. Actually, my technology broke. I ended up uh, damaging the screen on my laptop, and that became a real, you know, when you realize how valuable your tools are is when you don't have them and you can't function as quickly as you used to. And That sucked. What would you do, drop it out of the car or something? No, actually, I had a couple of mirrors drop on me and realized at the same time that they did a nice number on the screen. So... Yeah, that's in and around that thousand dollar worth of repairs, and next thing you know, you're you're talking yourself into a new laptop because it's a critical tool in the mix. So um, that forced me to take a trip home, which uh, I still love. I get to connect with people here. Um, I get to visit the shops, uh, which is a good chance for me to be able to connect with my team. So, um, were you here just for a couple of days, or? Yeah, I expect I spent the um, the, the latter part of the weekend. Uh, we came into town and. And I've been here for most of the week now and working on some projects, which is actually really cool. Um, you know, it gives me a chance to get back into the home routine. And when you're at the cottage, you, you afford yourself a different type of schedule. And, and, and in most cases, it's got a little bit of leisure connected to it and, you know, a little bit of downtime. But when you're back in the city, you feel like you're firing on all engines. And that's really where I think that uh, I put my focus and time while I've been here this week. And it got me back into my early morning routine. Which I love. Um, I don't know if we've talked about that before, but it's it's that that twenty 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 rule, right? Um, which is, uh, I mean, if if you were to Google twenty 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 rule, you're going to find a whole bunch of definitions. The one that I'm looking at was uh, coined by Robin Sharma, uh, self help expert. Uh, not that I had much experience or understanding with what uh, uh, Robin Sharma um, does or, or wrote. Uh, I did find that. I was already practicing this kind of um, mind shift in the morning, this mindset where I, I, I realized that we only have infinite amount of time to be able to do things in the day. And so I convinced myself that I had to get up earlier. And I was trying to belong to this, you know, this fictitious club called the 5 a.m. club, club where um, you end up getting up maybe not at 5 a.m., but at least an hour earlier than your normal routine so you could put an extra hour into your day. And when you turn that into a routine and you approach it um, where you're going to get some benefit from it, all of a sudden the routine really doesn't become a chore or a task or or a labor. It becomes just part of your routine. And by exercising that 20-20-20 rule, it would be that the notion is is that for the first 20 minutes that you wake, you, of course, go into um, something physical. So for me, it's walking the dogs, you know, a brisk walk in the morning, especially when you're in the fall. You get that that little bit of a chill, that nippy um, that nippy air that kind of gets into your nose, and it feels um, invigorating and alive. And so, uh, it's twenty minutes of activity. Get right. your heart get your heart rate up. And uh, do you have get to run
1: rep- or just any kind of movement? No, or? I
0: think anything that gets you at least uh, mobile. And I think you know if, if you're out to see improvement or evolution in that, then uh, then you would increase your your rate, your capacity. You would increase your your exercise or your movement. But the first 20 minutes is is physical. The next 20 minutes is intended to be um, reflective so that you can consider some of the things that maybe you have in your plans. You might consider if you're in business or an entrepreneur or a business owner that you want to you know see some goals in your mind for what the next quarter could look like. Um, maybe you want to tackle something that's in your mind about your relationship, but it's reflection. It really is a chance for you to look inwards um, for me at that point, I start to look at the things that I'm very grateful for and I'm fortunate to have in my life. Mm-hmm. So I, um, I used to do it in my mind, but now I actually, uh, I, uh, vocalize it. I verbalize it. And I, I put out my gratitude by saying, you know, I'm grateful for, of course, my wife. And then I talk about, you know, in, in, uh, in short order, I talk about the things that I'm so happy about, you know, and having her in my life and mm. me being part of her life. Um, and then I talk about, you know, my kids and I'm grateful for them. And, you know, I ended up always going through the family because of course we take for granted too often that the ones that are closest to us, we don't necessarily, you know, um, always have them in the, in the, in the top of mind because there's so many things happening in our days and, and they're also always around, they're always around. So you take for granted, you know, you don't go to the, the attraction in your city because it's there and you just take for granted. So. For me, I like to spend some time being you know, happy about my family and then I always end up finally landing on my dogs uh, <laughs> <laughs> who really uh, have helped shape a lot of how I think and look and how I've set my mind. And uh, they've given me a chance to be able to realize that they're actually here for me more than I am there for them. However, I'm their sole caregiver. My family definitely takes you know, um, their fair share of care, but it really lands on me. And so, so minus the easy communication as well, right? It's a different language. Yeah. Uh, mind you, there is a language. You guys are reading body language. I body think. language. And they respond and react like without any noise at all. It's oh, it amazing.
1: Was, it was awesome. When we recorded our last last podcast up at the cottage, you were saying, now watch this guy. He's going to do this. Yes. That one's going to come up here. They're going to jump. They're going to... It
0: was unbelievable how you predicted every move they made. Well, and they give it to you, right? They're actors. I mean, they've got a performance and they're <laughs> creatures of habit. And so all of a sudden, if you see the habit and the routine, and that actually was a great lesson for me too. The routine that those dogs go through on a day-to-day basis was a good foundation for me to know that, you know, I got to get up. I got to get at it. I got to do my you know, 20, 20, 20. Um, and that takes me to the last 20 minutes of what that 60-minute morning start looks like. And that is 20 minutes of learning. So we, we of course, started with 20 minutes of movement, 20 minutes of reflection, and then 20 minutes of learning. This could be um, reading the newspaper, it could be listening to a podcast, it could be uh, reading a paper that, uh, that you're doing research on, um, it could be um, a meditation, it could be something that helps you understand that there's something else for you to go gain out there knowledge wise. And And I'll tell you, by the end of that 60 minutes, you're firing on all cylinders. So for me, the routine goes into, you know, having some breakfast. And then by that time, you're making good decisions. You're not having, you know, um, the peanut butter and jam toast and stuff in the morning. You actually are, okay, I've put so much effort into starting my day on the right path. Now I'm going to continue. And you end up altering, or at least I did anyway. I altered the food that I was putting in my body. Um, I didn't necessarily start off with coffee anymore. I start off with a hot water and lemon. I feel like I'm my grandfather, but they do it for a reason. And that is a great way for you to start, you know, the system now working. uh, Because you've already challenged it mentally. You've satisfied it mentally. um, And you've had some physical movement. And the whole idea there is that you spend an hour kind of preparing for your day. And the beautiful part is that it's only 7 o'clock in the morning now. Or at, if you're in the 5 a.m. club, then it's only six, so you you have now a chance to maybe have the shower, get your day, you know, going from that perspective. Have a little breakfast, and by the time it is seven o'clock, you're banging out emails and replies to all the chaos that you might have left yesterday, and that you want to have a you know a, a preamble on for today. You get it out. You get it working before most people have even decided they're getting out of bed.
1: I was going to ask you too. Like, not only is this just a, a mental shift in uh, shaping that mind stronger, but obviously there's some um, spill off on the physicality too. I mean, you're moving, but do you find by waking up that early, doing this routine,
0: that your your physicality has changed as well? You find that you have more energy. More energy for sure. However. I am. Uh, I don't know if it's a victim or it's just a matter of understanding my body and my mind and how it works. But given any opportunity mid-afternoon to take a nap, it's it's got to be part of my plan. If I can find myself a place to, to curl up, to get away, it gives me that refuel. So I have so much energy. It's like I've got that fire going and the coal just keeps on burning. But at some point, you need to step back and refuel it again. It's not endless. How long is that nap for? 20 minutes. Really? 15, 20 minutes. Uh, I've mastered the art of power nap. So my next question
1: is, like, how late do you stay up then if you're getting up at, let's call it 5.30-ish?
0: Yeah, it really depends on what the uh, the task at hand is. I find myself sometimes getting in my best grooves, um, you know, in that latter part of the day. And I just want to continue going. So that's going to be a late night and then you afford yourself some freedom in the morning and say 5 a.m. just doesn't make sense because sleep is important, man. Yeah. I mean, more now than ever have I really adopted the philosophy that I need sleep because I'm not going to be at my best if I don't have it. And gone are the days when I used to pride myself on four hours and three hours. And, and actually, everybody thinks that I don't sleep because I just don't stop doing. Um, I just carve out another extra hour in the morning if I can. I don't stop doing but sleep's important, man. It really actually gets my, my brain and my body in the right place to be able to tackle the kind of the assault that I'm going to put on it during the day, because it's exhausting. It's mentally exhausting at the end of my day. Um, you know, here we are, we started this morning. I think we had our first meeting this morning at seven, seven. Yeah. seven and we're, you know, here now eight thirty at night. And this day has not been, um, an easy ride. So I, I need to refuel. I need to make sure that uh, the energy levels are up and, um, if ever I feel like I've gone too far, then I have to step back and, and make sure that the, that the mind and body are in check. So
1: when you were starting to do this twenty 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 rule, what was it like out of the gate? Let's talk about your first week. Cause that's what I think a lot of people are interested in just hearing this. It sounds fantastic. Yeah. I want to give it a try, but I, I kind of want to know what I'm, <laughs> what I'm up against, because I know my mind with my mind, I can talk myself out of any good, idea
0: well and here's the thing too we as business owners entrepreneurs um and people being responsible for our own time and our own selves you know just in being a person um we can quite easily afford ourselves the the freedom to say not for me not today um so if you're going to connect to this and you want to commit to it i'll i'll be brutally honest it's it's gross. <laughs> the first week is terrible. <laughs> but it's like anything, right? I mean, you do 2 weeks, I think that's what the 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 shift is. If you do 2 weeks of routinely uh changing something, then mm. that becomes more of a habit. Did it
1: seem like it was too much all at once because I found over the years that if I'm going to start changing the way that I eat, I'd start with one thing like, okay, more water. This week, more water then the following week we're going to cut back on on the type of breakfast that I'm going to have let's let's fix that yes and i it's a it's a long progress for me but for you how, what was that like
0: i mean i'm the kind of you know, all in all the time you know that there's no real let's dance around this let's just jump in so <laughs> for me i, I have to uh, you know i break habits i, I ended up i ended up uh, giving up meat i think we're in our fourth year now and it was wow. overnight it was after yeah. seeing Another mind shift. It was after seeing a documentary that told me, "Hey, listen, I, I've been thinking like that for a long time. Um, maybe I should, you know, wean myself off of meat." And what I meant by wean myself off was stop today, wow. and I did. So I jumped into 2020, 20. You know, uh, no life preserver, no, uh, no, no bathing suit. Even just jump in, and hmm. that's that's how I am. So I think you know, you you find your balance and you find how you would operate in that space. But I think what really made it easy for me, because although it was gross, it was hard, because, you know, I, I, I was always a late-night owl and, mm. you know, felt that sleep in the morning was critical, and I'd find myself rushing for things and then making mistakes when mm. I kind of gave it to the last minute, the last effort. It was, it was always a compromise, but um, I found the reward in my behaviour change. Like, for example... I say all the time when I post on social media, um, when I find this brilliant sunrise, and you're able to take that in in peace and quiet, and during that moment of reflection, and when you're up there for a 5 a.m. or a 5:30 in the middle of summer, and you get the the payoff, you get this incredible reward. I call it the free roadside attraction. It's free. Yeah. So you walk to some place where you find it, and then all of a sudden, your 5 a.m. just paid off. Like you can't even begin to imagine how rewarding that is. And we've all seen incredible sunrises, amazing sunsets, and we relish and cherish those. And when we get a minute to do it in solitude, um, with focus. And, and by the way, um, there's only a short window or period of time when you can actually look at the sun directly without Mm. it doing eye damage. Really? And that's in that morning sunrise. It's, it's magical. And you know, you, you just see the same when it comes down for the, for the sunset, Um, And then when you're really lucky, you get to see that little green Green, flash. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, those are the rewards that I think I found immediately that made the the rule and the adoption of that mindset um, really become less painful than I think I make it sound. There was a lot of payoffs. Very, very strong, very fast, as a matter of fact. And then you're in a routine. And then, of course, when you can't, you afford yourself the freedom to say, today's not a 5 a.m. day, right? but maybe I'm going to make it 6 a.m. instead, you know, so that I can still give that extra hour to all of those things that are pulling at me and yeah. demand my time. And you're still
1: doing the routine. It's not like you've stopped, you just shifted it for that that's right. one day.
0: That's right. You still do the routine and, you know, you mark off on the calendar if that's how you do things about your successes that... You know, an X means that you've completed your day without any compromise. And when you don't have an X, then you leave it open because there was lots of openings there, which to me says the next day has to be an X. Right. So that's how I motivate myself and in trying to take on the just the sheer volume of work that I manage. And that's that's kind of where today is, too. I mean, I'm I'm. Very excited because my teams are all fully engaged again. I mean, yeah. we're coming out of pand- – uh, we're not coming out of pandemic. That's not the right way to approach this or consider it. We're in a, a version of the pandemic that seems to be somewhat more manageable, at least for our businesses. We're, we're fortunate that we're not completely struck out again like we were for the longest time. It mm-hmm. um, feels like we're teetering on it. Oh, that's exa- that's exactly what it is. We're teetering. Um, and in that, you know, we made that early shift uh, in, in changing the focus of the business and, and made very solid offerings uh, to, you know, our, our marketing and advertising and, and event clients and, um, and it's great to be back into planning strategy and it's, it's great to be back into identifying creative and themes and, finding the current condition of the teams that are out there, the sales forces, the marketing teams, the corporate cultures that we help and serve. And so we've got a number of projects on the go again, which is great. Um, We've also got the faith and trust of our clients that come to us for ideas, um, ideation, and how we're going to take their current condition and put it into a plan and a program to have them all collectively walk out with one single script. This is where we are today and this is who we are and this is what we are. And so I'm thrilled because my teams are all engaged again. Mm-hmm. And it's great just thinking. And and I think a lot of that has to do with the mindset. Right. And and so I've been spending a lot of time consuming content, like more than I ever have.
1: It, more than you should or ever have. I don't know,
0: probably both. <laughs> But it has me um, filled with curiosity and wonder. And uh, I feel very satisfied that once I get information that I know I can use to help either the client, um, the customer experience, my staff and my teams, then I'm like a kid in a candy store. It's like Mm. Christmas. I keep on unwrapping something really cool. It almost feels like we have kind
1: of stripped away. We were in a constant state. I think we were in a constant state of worry. Yeah. The uncertainty, what's happening, what's going on? I don't know. I'm not sure. And it seems like once we have had, let's call it the green light, moving forward to start executing our task in whatever work that we do, that slowly kind of took a back seat. And uh, yeah. you're kind of fo- focused at the task. And then occasionally you think about, well, hmm, how long is this going to last? And then I wonder. you get deeper into it. And next thing you know, you know, what was your mind, what was your team's mindset when they were starting to engage again?
0: Um, I, I, I'll i speak kind of generally about how we all came back to it. I, we, mm-hmm. we kept in, in constant communication throughout all of the dark days, as it were, and that sense of worry and uncertainty. And, you know, we engaged and connected often. So I had an understanding of where their minds were. And you know, uh, and shared with them a lot of their concerns and worry. And and um, I quickly realized that I've got a couple of ways to approach it. Either I can um, let it consume me in a way that starts to take control or I can take control. And that really kind of boils down to um, perspective and how you are setting your mind. And so I think that given that my perspective and my constant search for silver linings in everything that we do, um, ideally and hopefully was an inspiration to them to be able to adopt the same type of thinking. And so I think we all came back eager, um, maybe a little rusty, you know, in the sense that, you know, the days now are filled with something so that obviously it wasn't a couple of weeks that we were off. We're talking about months and, um, you know, we had projects in the background, just cleaning house and mm-hmm. making sure that administratively and process wise, we, we were tidying up some of the things we never had a chance to. Mm-hmm. We we rebranded a whole division or actually branded a whole division of right. a company that didn't exist before COVID. And then we started thinking about other projects and how we would treat them. So we always had something in the background, right. but not fully engaged like we are now. And I think they came back, you know, fresh. Um, refueled and ready to be able to jump back in, and now it's it's evidenced by the way that we're performing. Like the output is strong, um, the the positivity is around us. The you know the the solution mind has taken over. Where when you know when you're just at some point you're you're facing roadblocks and headaches and and um, and obstacles. You know you can easily find yourself kind of coming to a dead end. And now I find that people are coming into the situation with solutions before we even hit the roadblock, like what happens if, mm-hmm. and, um, you know, in, in this constant kind of, um, um, interest in consuming content right now, uh, I've spent some time on the topic of mindset Yeah. and I found a book, um, and of course I don't read books. Uh, so I'm listening to an audio book right now. Just, just as good. It's just as good. Um, because it really does feed me, you know, with with um, information that helps move the needle. And I found a book by Carol DeWick. Um, it was called the Successful Mindset, or Mindset. And I'll probably butcher this, and I, forgive me, Carol. Um, but it's fascinating, because it really debunks a, a mindset of an earlier generation that talked about praise and adoration and you know um identifying somebody's talents and recognizing them i'm not suggesting that's a bad idea to recognize somebody's talent but what it what it basically uh, outlines and she's a psychologist and a professor at stanford so she comes with more letters at the end of her name than i could ever imagine and they've done studies and endless amounts of scientific research um around how the brain works and how it operates and um she was looking to uh, understand how we deal with um, with that constant praise and living in that now moment of being great is this like through childhood
1: uh, or, or most uh, most of
0: her studies are around or uh, are, are around children okay um, at least when they identify the examples in the book and and <clears throat> so what she wanted to do was was try to figure out are we destined to be as intelligent as as we're born, or or are we able to learn, and increase our capacity and become better and better and better, mm-hmm. and uh, you know Cole's notes or the short form is is that the incredible uh, story is that we have the ability to grow our our brains, we have the ability uh, ability to improve, mm-hmm. and she actually started to do research around what happens when children are praised for their natural talents or what appears to be their natural talents and uh, she calls that the fixed mindset mm-hmm. and it's amazing because you think that when somebody's praised and you know my generation likely yours and and probably even my kids we we've brought them up with if they start to show signs of a skill then it's you know your proudest moment as a parent And in fact, we've been making a number of mistakes along the way, not even realizing it. It's surprising what happens when a child is praised for their skill. They've done something right. They've passed a test. And it's like, oh, my, you're so smart. You know, congratulations. You really are talented. And Mm. when you start saying those and you're praising the action uh, or you're praising the now and how they got there, uh, sorry, and what they are there, like, you know, an accomplished uh, A-plus student because your test said it then it was remarkable what happened when those children were challenged with more mm. and they rejected the challenge really and her example was this that i think there were 10-year-olds where she had given them puzzles that were slightly more difficult than their skill set right. uh, and would be somewhat challenging to them but not overly um <clears throat> there was a group of children in that in that test and over a number of tests That were very excited about the idea of this being a challenge, Mm. you know, and and went into it with, I'm really happy that this is going to be challenging. And then there was other children that, you know, did the puzzle and got through it and, you know, recognized that there was some pain points in there. Right. But they were happy to have it accomplished. And they were rewarded and praised for accomplishing. And the other ones um, that found it more challenging were looking for that constant challenge. And what happened there was... The ones that were praised uh, were invited to do another puzzle or more puzzles, and they didn't want to do any more. They wanted to stop because they'd achieved their recognition. Right, They were praised for their talents, and they had accomplished a level where they were more often than not afraid to come back in and fail because they would now ideally be identified as somebody that was less intelligent because you are putting yourself at risk in doing the next puzzle and not and not uh, winning and not performing. So they were afraid of the challenge. Whereas the other children that were encouraged by the difficulty and saw that their failure was actually a chance to learn and looked at it like this is a learning process for me asked what the name of the puzzles were so their moms and dads could buy them because they liked the challenge. And That type of mindset, uh, she calls them two different things. One is a fixed mindset, which is really, I'm here, I'm going to be as smart as I ever was, and uh, I'm going to be recognized for my brilliance or my ability because everybody tells me how smart I am, and I'm comfortable in this box. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to go outside of it because that's a risk that I won't be smart. Mm. On the other side, it's called a growth mindset, and that's the one that recognizes that likely they've been praised along the way for the process. Like they would be talked to in a way that said, you know, you really came up with a number of ideas and how to get to your goal. Those ideas were really smart, you know, Mm -hmm. or the, the notion that, um, that their approach to the situation was a great learning and, the learning was praised, and the process was praised. And it was evidenced by a Chicago school that she identifies that basically said, you know, of course, if children have to pass so many classes to make it to the next grade, and this school um, didn't fail the students. They would mark on the report card, not yet. Oh. And it was, uh, it's the not yet mentality that had them recognize that I can, and I'm going to. right. As opposed to you're we, failing yeah. and you're done. done, you know. So, the, 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 I, I love the evolution of thinking, and I love when people can bring new, um, identify new ways for us to be able to really a engage our children and create a better space for them mentally, so that they can create a better space for their children, and it's just going to keep on evolving. And when I heard this, um, I was I was blown away because. I found myself victim to being that mindset that was praising my children's, you know, ability, Mm -hmm. their natural ability. You know, my, my, my kids are artistic. They draw really well. And I remember, you know, talking about how talented they were Mm -hmm. and how proud I am. And now I'm really realizing that I'm hopeful that I didn't set them up for failure. And, uh, you begin to see little pieces of evidence that say, maybe I should shift the way I'm talking so that they can think differently of the way they approach things. Mm -hmm. Because for me, I mean, I've shifted that mindset a while ago unconsciously where when I find something challenging, yeah, I'm determined to overcome it. I want to win it. I got I to gotta make it happen. And, you know, if it means that it's completely a new learning for me, then I'm going to try every possible approach um, to economize it. I'm not crazy. I don't want to overwork when I don't have to. But I'm going to engineer something on every version of my effort and my attempt to be better, to be faster. And, um, I think that that constant kind of uh, strive for kind of like a, I don't know, an efficiency with it makes me realize that I've got more to do and I want to keep on accomplishing it. I don't want to give up after I've accomplished it. I want to see what else is next. So I've adopted that, you know, um, unconsciously. Mm -hmm. And when you start to realize that there's scientific data behind it and, you're already part of that mindset, then I'm going to try to help people realize that too. And if you're a parent listening to this, I would highly recommend, well, if you're anybody listening to this, right. I'd highly recommend you know um, downloading the book or getting the book. It's called Mindset. It's Carol DeWick. Uh, there's lots of studies and papers that support the thinking. Um, I mean, there's takeaways
1: for yourself even at your age right now, right? Like I'm sure there's things of improvement,
0: not just on how you parent, but your own personal uh, gain. Yeah, for certain. I mean, um, you end up putting yourself in check and you become uh, aware of how you're operating Mm. and you start to course correct your language. You start to course correct the way you're thinking and you want to make sure that you're putting out those positive reinforcements at the same time encouraging, you know, my children and me um, to do more and just jump in. If I approach something, that goes back to perspective. Yeah. If and I see this all the time. You see this. Um, I don't want to say that you just see it in youth, but it's it's very clear in youth because they make their position very very clear and aware. Uh, everybody's aware of how they feel about things when they're when they're not going to participate. <clears throat> but when you get back to your perspective and how you're approaching things, uh, you've got a couple of options. It's either going to be I don't like doing this and I have to, and I'm going to do it out of resent. And I always tell my kids, if you're if you're pissed, and you don't like the idea of doing that, let's talk about it. Hmm. But don't do it with resent in your mind. Because that whole time, that negative energy and your thought about this is just going to continue to kind of permeate and it's going to roll around and you're going to be angry with it. And then you're going to be more angry the next time you do it. And then all of a sudden, you realize that, you know, you really probably could have overcame this in a shorter period of time with some efficiency in mind when you, you really don't like doing it, you better figure a way to do it fast and, and well so you don't have to do it again. And uh, I find often that people that enter, you know, a task or a chore with resent, they end up cutting corners and it's never done well. And they actually do have to go back and repeat or fix or, you know, find a way to mend the problem, you know. and It's I think,
1: almost shaping their mindset already.
0: Right. And then all of a sudden they have a chance to you know, um, to continue that thinking. So once you start that habit again, you end up allowing that habit to be part of your life. And if you were to look at it differently, then you've got a chance for your mind to attack it in a way that could overcome it quickly. And now that becomes your habit. Like, yeah, let's bring it on, man. You know, I'm doing stuff at the cottage this year, for example, that, you know, uh, is, is foreign to me. It's, It's new, it's, it's hard work. Like I'm doing stuff that, you know, um, a lot of times people, you know, if they're not skilled in that space to hire somebody to come in and help them. Right. But I was like, man, I'm going to take it on. And, and I did, and it was challenging and it was, you know, extremely, um, fulfilling physically. Um, but I also had some mental moments there too, where I'm like, "I, I did this. It was, it was entirely the way I approached it. I wasn't skilled. I didn't know I learned and I walked out very proud by the, the end result of deliverable that I created. And, you know, and the reason I started really thinking about all this mindset and perspective is because I think we could use a nice uh, leg up or a refresher, mm. especially now, you know, given all that we've gone through in the last six months or more, where we've uh, we've really challenged the way we look at things. And often, you know, the outlook is pretty bleak for some people. And it's still, if
1: you watch the news, it just seems like the world is, is still in chaos in certain places anyway. Yeah, I think and, that... And to get away from that is, is a difficult thing for a lot of people.
0: They can't separate, you know, um, the reality from that reality. Whereas I think that you can create this cocoon and bubble around yourself that insulates you uh, from all of those forces that really could overpower people and and does overpower people i mean i am most concerned about um mental health and stability of those people that don't have this mindset Mm -hmm. and are really going to struggle with you know what does this look like when it continues and you know we're creatures uh we're social in, in our nature most of us anyway and those that actually like to spend time alone more often than not you know they found that this wasn't such a a massive shift for them Um, but they're also part of the bigger picture which meant that even even you know um, uh, people that were you know extroverts versus the introverts there still was a place for each one of them to play in this game and when that all shifted that really does have a massive effect on how people perceive things and how they're walking into their you know return to work Mm -hmm. the children's return to school um, returning to you know things that we took for granted that now we are finding that we're, we're refacing on a very regular basis. Um, there's fear, there's anxiety, uh, there's so much that we haven't recognized because just on the, just on the uh, notion of physical touch. I mean, we need to touch each other. Mm-hmm. We need to hug. We need to embrace, and not everybody's as fortunate as I am where I've got a, a family, uh, and we're, there's five of us, so we have an interaction no matter how locked down we get, and some people um, are by themselves. Yeah, that's that's the hardest part. That's the hardest yeah. part. I almost said when we when we went into first lockdown, it would be a good idea if we created a, a social app that says, you know, I'm alone could use some friendship, mm-hmm. and, you know, all, all of the singles and the people that were living by themselves and didn't have family in the neighborhood because they moved here for work or whatever their circumstances or might even
1: have a medical condition. So there's Correct. like, even though they're in quarantine, it's like now it's, it's twice as uh, it's twice as tough.
0: Yeah. I, I've, I've, I've tried to, in my social media posts, uh, put out the offer of support. You know, if somebody does need it, then, you know, I'll do whatever it takes to help because I think right now we've got to really band together to look for the things that we don't recognize, you know, especially when it comes to the mental health of our community, uh, certainly our seniors and, you know, anybody that's vulnerable and in a position where they could, you know, be at risk to themselves or or to their community. And I think we're going to see a lot of that. So I'd like to prepare mentally and I want anybody that's listening, you know, to take the opportunity to find out a little bit more about maybe what they can do or um, what support groups might be available in their communities, because I think people are going to need, a lot more than we understand now, and they might not feel so comfortable reaching out.
1: How did you get uh, interested in this book? Like, did somebody present it to you, or was it just curiosity when you were, uh, you know, taking in all this content? It just... uh, Yes.
0: Well, yeah, actually, it came from the client meetings, because what I do when I go into strategy to understand or to start to identify what a theme could be for a national meeting so that, you know, we all, like I said, walk out with... um, with uh, an authentic story about the company and where they are. Um, We, we talk to the key opinion leaders, the stakeholders, the leadership groups in these, uh, in these corporate environments. And we find out where everybody is. What's the current temperature? Mm. What's the climate in the environment? What are people feeling? How are they okay with their yoga ball that they're sitting on in their kitchen? You know, did we send them anything to identify or help with wellness and, and, and in those conversations, it was over the course of, uh, of a week um, where the idea of a mind shift became very clear. Like, you know, everybody has made the mind shift. Um, they couldn't identify where they were. Um, and then I started talking about this is really a mindset. And mm-hmm. quite honestly, I think that we'll find that some of these themes we end up coming up with for these national sales meetings and these conferences are gonna are going to, are going to um, surround the notion of of a mindset. So the conversation started happening around mind shift, perception. Um, um, what does a mindset sound like? And in that in that one week, I spoke about it more times than I imagined, and it made me realize that there's got to be research to be able to support this thinking that I was presenting to my clients in suggesting that we take on these themes and these notions that actually help the employee because I think there's an obligation. Um, Well, it's not an obligation, it's an opportunity. How's that? I think there's an opportunity for corporate culture to really invest heavily in its people because we all know that the number one asset of any company is its people. Um, And when they're performing and they're happy and uh, they're engaged and they've got some type of uh, commitment and connection to what we're all doing. It's just a very positive vibe. And so I think that it's one thing for a company to give, you know, John the sweater with the logo on the back, uh, because that's something that everybody's done for years. But let's, let's get down to what's really important. You know, sure. A sweater would be well-received if the logo is done tastefully, Right. If it's the size of a you know, of a of a watermelon and it ain't gonna fly. But let's do something more meaningful for the teams. Let's really take on messaging that's going to help them. Let's take on messaging that will end up not only shaping or helping their, their professional outlook, but translate it into something they could take home and then how they can approach their day at home. And if that meant they speak about the twenty 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 rule, then that's an opportunity for somebody to make a shift mm. and set the mindset. And when you talk about Carol's book, then you know, you really are recognizing that you can ingrain that thinking at a very young age, and we should. And we should get away from the stuff that actually ends up uh, paralyzing kids because that ends up creating, you know, paralyzed adults that really never end up shaping the mind much differently than what They were little Johnny when he drew a nice picture or got an A+. And actually, there was a cool part that another scientist, uh, that I I can't remember who it was, but he was talking about um, the idea around uh, London, England's taxi drivers. Mm. And I'm sure many of you know the story about how difficult it really is to become a taxi driver in London, uh, certainly pre-GPS, where um, these Drivers were basically, they'd have to go to university for, uh, for map reading, uh, and, and their, their exams were like rigorous in the sense that it was, you would have to describe to an instructor, um, you know, uh, how it is you're going to get from this address to that address, not even known landmarks. I want to go to 125 Yorkshire Boulevard and I'm starting at 2020 Piccadilly Circus. Right. And they would have to, um, provide a specific type of route, most economical, the most scenic, you know, the one that's going to take them by this icon on the way, and they'd have to have that um, etched in memory. And here's where the cool part was, this is one of the proof points that the brain can continue growing, and your learning can be exponential, because they scanned the brains of a uh, a number of these London taxi drivers and there was an area in the brain where it identified your learning capacity or, you know, the activity around learning and um, that part of the brain and every one of them was larger than average on most people. Wow, And so there was another scientific proof point that said that the brain's operating differently. And when you exercise your brain and you're filled with training and passion and dedication, and you really want to realize that I can be better at this. Rec- when you come rec- in recalling files too, recalling files, when you come into this with the notion, and this is what we should all walk away with that I am capable of learning anything. I might not be the best basketball player, but I have the capacity to learn basketball and And the scientific research behind that showed that that brain development was exercising and it was actually protecting the neurons, the the kind of pathways for these messages that are happening in our brains. And I'm not a scientist and I know nothing about neurology, but I do know this, that they described... Don't ask me. Don't ask me. They did describe (laughs) it like this and it makes sense that basically... Those um, those passageways in the brain, um, once they're exercised and they're fully charged and they're doing what they're supposed to be doing, you constantly keep on feeding them, that they become protected. And the difference between uh, it was like a, a wire being protected by an insulated you know cover, like right. you know um, in electricity. So the difference between the protected wire. Uh, in our brain and the non-protected was that the protected wire was shooting off messages 10,000 times faster than, yeah, it was remarkable the difference in performance. So when you recognize that I, you know, I kind of keep on constantly moving and learning and learning and learning and learning that my brain's in that mindset to take on more and to protect the channels that are actually pushing out and taking in, then all that makes sense, you know? And you realize like here, I think the other example that I heard was, you know, Michael Jordan, um, undisputably one of the best basketball players in the history of basketball, um, wasn't a great basketball player.
1: Super competitive, though.
0: Super competitive. Yeah, and he was rejected in the early days and wasn't good enough. And by passion, dedication, commitment, and competitiveness, and his constant effort, like he would practice for three hours before he went to school, um, that constant drive to increase his capacity got him to learn and perfect and, and uh, master the skill of basketball to the point where he was untouchable. And there's many other examples we know about the likes of Walt Disney being kicked out of art school and, and not being, and being told he wasn't creative. I mean, he went back at it and just kept going and going and going and that repetition and that frequency created that, Mastery, and that's a perfect example of how we should look at things, and we should set our minds, and more importantly, set the minds for the youth, so that they can really kind of walk into the situation, eyes wide open, and willing and ready to learn, because they know they can.
1: And also to to those two masters, Walt Disney and Michael Jordan, they also learned how to deal with rejection. Right, they didn't just uh, tuck their tails between their legs and went home and said, "That's it, I'm done." I'm done with basketball. I'm done with art. That's it. It was more of I'll show you, attitude, and I think you know one of the things that we're going to be faced with down the road because of the way we're raising kids today. It can't doesn't go for everybody, but they're so protected that they don't know what failure is and they don't know how to deal with losing, failing, and we need to we need to um, introduce that again. And this way, they they know how to deal with it emotionally and move on and get better.
0: Well, that's back to the idea where Carol DeWick uh, and her book would identify Michael Jordan and Walt Disney and anybody that would have been known for those early failures where they ended up becoming masters. They have what she coined as the growth mindset. Mm -hmm. And it was either likely to, uh, you know, a, a credit to their parents or, you know, somebody of influence that would have praised them for their learning ability and for their constant, you know, um, evolution and improvement. And they didn't look at it like a failure, although it it didn't accomplish their goal. They looked at it like a chance to get better. Right. So I got to get better. I just got to get better. And, and I think that that's, that's really where the magic is, is that if you're an entrepreneur, if you're a business owner, and you know, if you're somebody that's, that faces challenges, you got to recognize that your challenge and your failure is actually an opportunity to do better. Mm. And it's nothing more than that. Like, you know, uh, a lot of self-help books will, will suggest that you fail fast and fail often. And, um, you know, I, I like that people are praising the idea of failure. And like, I make, uh, I certainly make mistakes all the time. And I look at those mistakes as an opportunity to, to get better and course correct. And, and find a solution. And that's where, you know, getting back to the idea that, you know, really, we're somehow, we're um, problem solvers and engineers. If we look at it, like, you know, that failure is going to really stifle us and hold us back, then we're missing the opportunity to overcome it. And that's where I think that's, that's where there's real power. And when you, when you look at, you know, yeah, so what, let's move on, because that didn't work. But now I know what doesn't work. Yeah, you so, got to you have to recognize it though for sure, right? You have to stop and recognize, and and ideally, you know, without it being too painful, it was painful enough that you really are motivated to overcome it. You know, like you know, uh, I remember being in in the military and climbing the mountain in uh, in Banff, Canada, and I, it was I was terrified. I was afraid of heights, and here I am on a rock climbing mission that was gonna have me climb the faces of some, you know, very significant mountains. And uh, I was shaking like a leaf. And I remember the rock ape. We called them rock apes. They were military rock instructors, and they would teach us how to climb. I remember one climbing up beside me, and I'm all harnessed in. And, uh, you know, uh, he comes up beside me with no harness, of course, because he can lift himself up with his fingernails. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was shaking, and I couldn't stop shaking. And, you know, I was probably, I don't know, 10 stories up. It was enough to make anyone that really didn't like heights scared. Sure. Um, And he said, what are you afraid of? And I said, I'm afraid of falling. And he goes, so fall. (laughs) And it was an amazing lesson at a young age that made me recognize that I've got to trust that if I fall, I'm going to be okay. But everything in my mind tells me that if I fall, I'm going to die. Right. Um, Except for this cord that's wrapped around me. And it's there for a reason. And so I said, I can't, I can't. He goes, you got to fall. And I said, I can't. And he said, take that handhold. And I went to grab, obviously he recognized it was too far for me to reach. I went to grab the handhold. I didn't hold on and I fell. And I scraped my face against the rock. I had a little bit of, uh, you know, scab on my nose for a while. Um, But then he climbed down to me and he goes, so how was it? And I said, "Uh, it was okay. (laughs) It was okay. And you, you get your composure and you realize that wasn't nearly as bad as I thought I'm going right. to overcome this. And I'm going to keep on climbing. And as a result, it was probably one of the most meaningful summers of my, you know, my time with the cadets. And I got a chance to really understand what it takes to, to fight your fear, you know, and get over the fact that that's not going to cripple me. It's not going to paralyze me. And once you get that momentum going and that win, Then you're really powerful and everything below it is like a piece of cake, man. Let's take that on anytime. And now you're talking,
1: talking yourself out of thinking that way too, right? Just that
0: experience. You have moments where you get to reflect on those, you know, milestone um, times in your life. And that for me was one of the ones that comes up often. Um, However, I never think about it. It just, it's always there as being, you know, don't you remember when? And that quickly tells me that, you know, that was a big, that was a big scare for me. I was really quite terrified of it, but, um, I had the guidance and support of somebody and they got me through it and made me recognize that I really can't overcome the biggest fears that I have because there was nothing bigger than that at the time. Mm. I mean, <laughs> the, in my mind, it was like either you climb or die Aye. and that was it. And, yeah. and that was a reality and a possibility, unlikely, but still. When you put that in your mind, it's the same thing that stops people from getting on the water slide, that stops people from getting on the roller coaster. Or
1: even starting a business. Like there's so many people that think that they would love to do it or or have a good idea, but stop themselves short from making any kind of commitment forward to make it happen.
0: Yeah, I think that that fear of failure and that notion of perfection, you know, I can't do it unless it's at this level. It really is truly a fear of failure and... To, to to be powerful and love the life you live and move into something that really could motivate you, um, you've got to recognize that that failure is a gift. And it's a hard thing to understand until you really get a chance to fail. And once you do take that failing as the gift that it is, then it becomes your superpower. Mm-hmm. You know, no problem. Let's go on. I mean, I'm I'm fearless when it comes to... Things that people would never ever take on because of my mindset. So,
1: what kind of advice would you give somebody that's listening to this now that doesn't necessarily take the time to self reflect, is interested in what we're talking about right now? And how do, you, how do you, what kind of advice would you give to make that first step, that shift to start recognizing uh, a different mindset?
0: I think if you're going to make a shift in the way you think, you have to be painfully aware of what makes you happy. You know, if you're doing things in your life that just don't equal happy and won't motivate you to, to take that leap, then you've got to be, you've got to be brutally honest with yourself and start to recognize that what happens if you don't. So if I don't make any changes now, this is what I have and it's going to be the same and it's going to end up in the same results. And I wasn't too happy about those results yesterday. I'm likely not going to be happy tomorrow. So that's got to be the kick in the ass that makes you really realize that something's got to give here. And when you're ridiculously honest about who you are and what you are and what makes you happy, then that pursuit of happiness becomes a mission. And that's where you start to introduce ideas and notions and thoughts that People are, are, are lending to you, that are presented to you, that you hear about. And then you start to scratch surfaces, right? You know, I've yet to start really meditating. You know, I've had moments of of quiet. I've had reflection. But I can't wait to take on meditation. Right. Because that's another thing that everybody says. Oh, wait till you start meditating, meditating. man. You're unbelievable. <laughs> but do you see what happens then? And so I'm really looking forward to that. And, you know, finding the right place in my, you know, in my world. Um, And to that point, even yoga And I, I think this is going to be cool Because as I'm, you know, putting that out there And I'm, I'm, I'm announcing it to the world I'm making a commitment to myself you got to do it now I'm going to be accountable I want somebody to say, you know what, how's it going? And then maybe collectively we can all take this journey together sure. Maybe it's the health, happiness, the welfare The good, you know, the good size of everything that, that we're doing Will be brought to everybody at the same time Let's see how it goes Let's see
1: how it goes. So at the end of most of your podcasts, you always like to ask that question or that question or get a question from our listeners about what you know. What app kind of helps you out along the way? Um, what are you using today that kind of helps you uh, through your day?
0: Oh man, I use technology to my advantage. Um, and after seeing Social Dilemma, I've been very conscious about the things that I do have in my uh, my technology tool chest. And in this case, I would say, just keeping in this this uh, theme of mindset and mind shift, there's an app called Happify. It's a free app. And actually, this would help that listener that really hasn't made that leap yet and is looking to find happiness and shift their mind and the way they perceive and look uh, at things and what their perspective is. So I would recommend highly Happify. It's free. It has a number of little tasks and activities that can easily put you in the mindset of happiness. And I think that everybody could use a little more of that. So uh, that would be my recommendation today. Cool.